Hello. This episode is dedicated to talk about the Black Lives Matter movement, and um, it's it's aimed towards white people specifically because I am white, and there's some hard truths that we have to talk about. Now, does that mean if you're not white that you can't listen to this episode? Absolutely not. I I invite you equally, but it is geared specifically towards white people. Um, you know, if you're if you're not white, and uh, if there's anything that I say that that I may be wrong about, I I encourage you to let me know, because the whole point of this kind of uh, you know taking a larger perspective, I want to talk about various things and and really help, um, and the and I, I'm going to talk about them from my perspective because. I don't want to make it seem like I'm criticizing anyone who is white. I want to, uh, I think there's enough division uh, that's being tried to being uh, trying to be forced upon us that we don't need more division. And so by talking about my experience, I hope that you can kind of see similar patterns within yourself and really explore those and um, aim to do better like I am. Um, I really want to do this kind of unedited. So if you hear dogs barking, um, you know, it's just going to be part of it. The reason why I want to do this is so that way no one has the ability to say that I edited this together of certain things that I may have said. Um, I want this to be as honest as I can. And so the reason for like, the reason for this is because I don't think just providing lip service is enough. And, you know, one, one of the examples that I saw was the NFL tweeted that it was in support of the Black Lives Matter movement. And I saw um, people of, of, of all ethnicities uh, really be offended by that because the NFL had their shot to, to stand by black people, uh, specifically with Colin Kaepernick, and, and they didn't. And the egregious thing was that they didn't even acknowledge it. And so I want to kind of really talk about that perspective uh, because I don't think lip service is enough to say that um, we, that, that we're horrified and that this should, this should stop and this should never be allowed to happen. I don't think that's enough. I, I, and I say this having done this myself in the past, but if I'm being honest, I think it's more so, from the perspective, yes, the, 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 there's there's truths in there. We are, you know, I was horrified, and I don't want it to continue. But I think at a certain point, we de uh, again. I should apologize. I desensitize myself because you know, while I want, um, you know, to move on from the situation, it ultimately really goes back to a more of a selfish place versus true altruism. And, and that's sad to admit. It really is. And I, this is something that I've grappled with now. Uh, and, and it's tough, you know, because from that, like, you know, of course, like if it benefits other people, great. But, you know, admittedly, a lot of it, I think ultimately comes down to, well, I just kind of want to be able to focus on the things that I want to focus on. And that's not right. And, 
you know, maybe you see some of that in you. So one of the ways I recognize it in me is, okay, am I just, am I just saying something for the sake of saying something or am I actually doing something? And I think there's, there is a difference to spreading awareness. I I think that is good, but I don't know. It it just doesn't, it, it doesn't feel enough. It hasn't been enough. And so more actions need to be taken. You know, I think we all, we all want to like make our mark in history. I think, I, I think that's an inherent thing within all of us. I really do. Certainly within me. And this is, this is one of those moments. Like you, you just know that this will be in history books between the pandemic between the economic crash and now this, there's no way this is not going to be in history books, right? But the problem is we, we want to be written about in history for ourselves, right? And, and, and instead we have to look again, we have to go to the larger perspective and rather than uh, be written about in history, we should, we should look to make history and, you know, essentially be on the right side of history. This is an opportunity to, to, to fix something. And that is why just saying that, that this, this is horrible and it should never be allowed to happen uh, is just not enough. Action needs to be taken. Now, the, the, there's, there's multiple forms of action you can take. I think that one of the biggest ones that I've been trying to, to, to do is listen. To, to see various perspectives that are not my own, directly from black people. It is not their job to educate us. It is our job to, to go out and seek and be educated. And that, that's, that's what I am doing. And there's plenty of resources. Book-wise, uh, Layla Sad has an amazing book. Uh, uh, Robin, Robin D'Angelo has a book called White Fragility, which I actually talked about months ago. Um, and, you know, uh, Melody Hobson, a very successful um, finance person, for, for lack of a better term, she, one of the things that she always talks about, like the most successful businesses are the ones that are the most diversified, so it, it, like just, just purely from a financial standpoint. So there's all this, like even just, just liter- um, uh, books around us that, that, that can help educate us and give us a greater perspective and context. Um, you know, there's wonderful podcasts. There, there, there's wonderful videos being posted by a lot of people that, that are worth checking out. You know, there, there's a video of, uh, an, of a white woman in front of a white crowd who says, hey, if, if you would want to be a black person in America, please stand up. Or like, if you, if you would be willing to accept the life of a black person in America as your own, uh, please stand up. And no one stands up and she's like, you, you must uh, not, you must not heard me correctly. If you want, if you, if you would be okay, by the way, I apologize. I'm paraphrasing. So I'm slightly butchering it. Um, I, I invite you to look it up. Um, but, 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 but the point is, you know, she says like, no, 
if you would be okay with living a black person's life in America, please stand up. And still no one stands up. And she's like, okay. So that to me shows that you are aware that their circumstances are worse than yours. And that's true. That's true. So, so I think it's a matter of really recognizing some of the things that we've been turning a blind eye to. And, you know, one, one of the things for me that makes this like that Trevor Noah talked about, it, everything right now is very compounded. And, you know, one of the things like kind of on the surface, I, I, you know, I, I've heard people talk about white people just, just weaponizing the police against black people. But when you see the video of Amy Cooper knowingly call the police and, and in an instant just turn on a switch, weaponizing uh, uh, blackness as a thing for her, for her to get her want, it, 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 it reveals this, it, it unveils the curtain of this because she knew, she knew. And she's not the only one, you know, this is, this is something that, that, yeah, it's just, you know, it's, it, it's a thing we know. I, I think now would be a good time to talk about, like, a lot of people are posting um, the pyramid of racism. And there's the socially, you know, the top is the socially unacceptable forms of racism. That includes the KKK and, um, you know, things of that nature. The things that are obvious, the things that are very visible. But towards the bottom, the ones that are the, the forms of social, social racism, um, meaning these are the things that are acceptable, are things like uh, accepting racist jokes, uh, not voting, or voting, you know, not considering... Uh, Blacks in terms of how you vote, like really look at that, um, that pyramid, right? And 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 it's no coincidence that the socially acceptable forms of racism are towards the bottom because those are the ones that create the foundation of racism. You know, of course, like yeah, the KKK is bad, but it really starts at the root of it, and that's what I'm trying to talk about in this video. Um, or the, this episode, rather, um, because that's the stuff that needs to end, and and it ends with us as individuals, you know. Um, and look, there are many. Like I said, there are many solutions. So step one is is definitely getting educated. Step two, maybe maybe you do join a protest. That would be wonderful. Uh, but remember. You are the, uh, many, many people have tweeted about this. And when I say people, I mean uh, black people. Now, hey, when you are there, you are there to support us. You, um, you are not there to loot. You are not there to instigate or anything like that. So you, you have a social responsibility to, you know, you, you are there in service of a cause. And so, you know, to that point, really take direction. Don't, don't. Don't make it about you. Um, and, and I'm certainly uh, trying to do protests um, more.
I did one. I'm going to go to one today. I'm going to talk about my experience with my first one in a little bit. But, um, but in the effort of talking about solutions, let's just kind of continue that way. Obviously, you can donate money. Uh, there's, there's various forms of wonderful charities, some that, um, that are bailing people out at the moment if they get uh, jailed. Um, you know, and I, yeah, there's just, there's just so much, so many ones. I mean, that's just like one sector of it. But, um, yeah, I mean, you, you, you can, you can throw a rock and, and, and hit a, a charity that, that, that would, that could use your support right now in terms of the Black Lives Matter movement. So, um, you know, so, so just, so just pick one. Now, I understand the, you know, uh, we are, because of the pandemic, we are in an economic hardship. So it becomes a little bit more difficult to give. Um, okay. Can you, can you make phone calls to, to your representatives on a, on a local, state, and, um, and f- sort of uh, federal level? You know, what, what, that, that certainly benefits. Sign petitions. Those, are, those cost your time. Yes, but they are free. Um, so, so really consider that. And, and I'm just, you know, even, even, even admittedly, I'm just scratching the surface in terms of the, these are all, these are just the things that I have become aware of. And I want to learn kind of more ways that people can help so I can direct them there. Um, but there's a plethora of ways to help. Um, and so I would invite you to, to really, uh, explore the ones that I've, I've mentioned and also find new ones. And please comment down below if, uh, if, if there are, you know, if, if you know of others, I would love to learn. And, and I think it would be tremendously wonderful to uh, a benefit to others seeing this as well. And, you know, to that point, like between the avenues that offer solutions, um, always look at it to be a solution rather, rather than criticize. Um, you know, I think if, if, if you're criticizing and that's not helping anyone, it's just creating further division. Um, and that's something that I try to adhere to very specifically. Um, because, yeah, we, because, you know, going back to my earlier point of like in the past, if I've tweeted like, this is so bad and it should never be allowed to happen well it's like what am i doing and offering to not let it happen um and i've been thinking a lot about that um and the good news is a lot of other people have thought about this before me so they already have ideas and solutions you know um defunding the police is a big component of this that that is a solution you know that so much so much money goes into the police stations in, in, in such a way when, when a lot of this money could be used to help build the community. That is the argument, right? That is the core of it. Uh, so we could, we could start to get rid of homelessness. We could build up our community centers and whatever. And, and, and we could really elevate society so that way crime essentially goes down, you know? Um, that is, that is the root of it. Before I offer up any other ones, it's, 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 it's like, you know, just, just a lot of the things that I'm seeing, like it, it, people are saying like the solution to 
you know, to, to these protests is more and more, just adding on more um, force in terms of, you know, the police, the National Guard and so forth. And it's like, there's wonderful things that I'm seeing of, this is specifically from Flint, Michigan, but the, the police there was like, hey, we're going we're gonna to take off our helmets and we're going we're gonna to march with you because we believe in your cause. So, you know, instead of, instead of creating blockades against the protesters, and I'll talk about that at length with my experience, but instead of that, you know, if both sides unified in that way, then, then we could start to see some real change and, 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 and shifts. Um, the other kind of thing that has been thought of, I believe very recently, although it could be a little bit older, um, that anytime, anytime someone, you know, th- there's charges against them of, of police brutality, um, the, um, essentially the, the prosecution of it or, or whatever else, uh, I, I, again, I'm, I'm slightly butchering it. I apologize. But the idea is that um, it would have to come out of the pension of that police officer. Because right now, uh, you know, all these, all these sort of trials, if you will, or, or whatever else, it's not, it's coming out of taxpayer money. So again, it just, it's just more, it's further funding to the police from taxpayer dollars and not achieving the result that, that is ultimately wanted. So, you know, uh, when you put economic pressure on it, it changes the situation. So, so those are things we have to really consider and, and think about. Um, you know, um, sorry, going kind of just quickly back to a side tangent. Um, to, to the learning aspect, um, because I didn't mention this when I was there. And I apologize for being all over the board, but, um, you know, again, just in an effort to have this be as raw and honest as I can. Uh, I'm lucky enough where, where my black friends, and that's, that's B with a cap, uh, that, that, that's black with a capital B, because um, lowercase b implies just the color. Capital B implies a race, a history. So um, that is something that I also very recently learned that I did not know, and I, I apologize for, for not knowing that. Um, and it makes total sense. Um, but, but um, you know, I am thankful for uh, my black friends who have shown tremendous patience with me. You know, um, in a lot of ways, again, if we're talking about, like, the socially acceptable forms of racism by definition, I am a racist because I have done and said various things. And still to this day, uh, you know, there's, there's more to unearth. I admit that. I admit that. And I truly appreciate um, my black friends being patient with me because they don't have to. It's not their job. But I truly appreciate it. And I think that's par- part, of, part of it, what I think has been good for me are two things. One, my intent. Um, I think people, people, people are smarter than we give them credit for. Everyone is. And they can suss out bullshit, quite frankly. 
And for me, I, I, I'm lucky enough to recognize that no matter what I've said or done, people have recognized the intent. And part of that, I'll, I'll praise myself, is, is my desire to learn. You know, um, and I think part of it is they have seen my efforts to to learn and do better. And I'm very grateful for that. You know, I, I really am. There's there's a lot. You know, people say uh, racism is learned. Well, to that effect, racism is also unlearned. And But it takes a lot of work. And so you have to do the work. Um, and it's work that I'm willing to do. And again, I am sincerely grateful that that my friends do have that patience with me. You know, there's um there there's a, there's a sort of um quote going around like uh uh essentially white uh white people are lucky that black people only want uh equality and not revenge. <laughs> and <coughs> excuse me. And that's I mean, man, that really is something, truly. Like as horrifying as it may be to see, um, you know, the destruction that we're seeing. I see a lot of, I see various people speak out about that. But again, go back to the root of the cause. And, you know, part of it is there's so much bombardment sadly, from all places to try to make us, you know, divide us. Uh, There's a wonderful quote from Erwin McManus that says, we have become infinitely creative at figuring out ways to divide ourselves. We have. And, 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 And it's a wonderful quote simply because of how truthful it is. But because it's truthful, it's devastating, man. It's just like, like, fuck. Think about that. We have become infinitely creative in the ways we divide ourselves. And that's got to stop. But I am, I I truly am encouraged as much as, you know, there's, there's, there's images and, and, and rhetoric around decisiveness and so forth. Uh, I, I am really encouraged to see all the unity happening. And not just in America. Cities across America are fighting for this cause. But it's going international. There's a Belgian train who had written on it, Black Lives Matter, in Belgium. Uh, people are protesting outside the U.S. Embassy in London and Berlin. And in Toronto... They are protesting. And these are just a few of the cities. This is starting to, to grow larger. And that's encouraging. You know? And by the way, in London, not, it's not just in front of the U.S. Embassy. It's, it's, people are also protesting in gentrified areas that used to be predominantly black, but now have, you know, they've been gentrified. So, you know, what, what this, indicates is that this is a human issue. This is not politics. This is not left versus right. This is, this is, this is humanity, man. It is. And, and I can't help but be moved by that. I really can't.
and, and encouraged by it, quite frankly. Um, you know, one of the, one of the things that, that I saw was that on average, it takes 800 hours to train cops, but for, for, a um, for a hairstylist, you know, someone who cuts hair and so forth, it takes, uh, it takes 1200. It actually might be, uh, 1600, but I'll just go conservative and say 1200. Now I understand like, you know, there's so many ways to cut hair, but let's be real. Fundamentally, what is the more important thing? You would say police training, right? So why is it that they only get 800 hours of training versus, um, I, don't know, uh, I apologize, like I, uh, I'll just call it like beauty school. Um, you know, again, I'm not knocking beauty school in any way, but there's something again fundamentally wrong when it, it, it like cop training is less than that. So you know, that's another thing, another. Um, opportunity for reform to, to, to change things. You know, the other aspect is um, during protests, you learn that, um, that they don't want you to just make this about Trump. Now, Trump is definitely part of the problem, but racism is is centuries old, you know? And so to just pin it on him um, is a disservice to to the actual movement. So so that's something that I'm trying to be better with. Um, okay, so now let's uh, let, let me talk about my um, experience of the protest. Um, this was in LA, this was at Pan Pacific Park, and it started there, it was very peaceful, um, amazing people to see, you know, uh, like, large crowd, um, and, like, everyone, and not being facetious, like, literally everyone, white, black, Asian, uh, Jewish, um, you know, just, just, uh, just every, every, everyone you can imagine. And, you know, with the, with the benefit of kind of, you know, that firsthand experience and also the experience with my friends and whatever else, one of the interesting things that starts to, that you start to really have to consider and see is um, things you know, everything was going peacefully and, and, and we were marching. Now, I wasn't admittedly at the front um, part of this march, but I know friends that, that were. And there was, a, there was a blockade that prevented them essentially from going further. Now, if you look at it geographically, that blockade happened um, pre-Beverly Hills. Now, I don't mean just like, you know, like a, a mile um, from Beverly Hills. It, w- it was more than that. I don't know the exact mileage, but I don't know. Let's say four miles, um, something like that. Maybe less, maybe more. But the point being, 
it was essentially like no different than Russia creating an iron curtain. They wanted a buffer before anyone could get to, to there. So, you know, really consider that, that, that the, the police put up a buffer pre Beverly Hills. Really consider what that says. Because the, the march was a march. It was loud because people were chanting Black Lives Matter and, and things of that nature. But it, but it wasn't violent. And there was a blockade, right? So, so a lot of, you know, going back to the idea of do not criticize if you're not offering up solutions. So as far as the protest, every, everyone wants the protest to be peaceful. Or, you know, they, they should protest peacefully. It was peaceful. We were just not allowed to continue further. Why? Because they didn't want us near Beverly Hills. They didn't want us chanting, you know, Black Lives Matter in Beverly Hills neighborhoods. Consider that. Consider something else. The Gucci store, when it caught on fire, became number one priority. And the so-called small businesses that we're so desperate to say, and, and you know, and, and again, I'm, I'm not condoning necessarily the violence. And again, you know, there's certainly evidence that that a lot of the, the looters, they are not part of the cause, the Black Lives Matter cause. But it is interesting to note that that in this, you know, in this narrative of, you know, how could they do this to to their own community? Well, why why is it that Gucci is be, it, it has like the main priority and all resources go there to put out that fire, but the small businesses are allowed to burn. Not, you know, I mean, the, the fire department gets to them, but it's eventually. So that just from that just further highlights what the issues are. It's it, it's it's really fucked up. And I wasn't part of this yesterday, but I certainly witnessed it in the sense that you know people were protesting in Santa Monica. It was like three thirty closer to even like 3.45, and all of a sudden, at 4 p.m. curfew. Boom. It's a 15-minute warning. And by the way, it's very difficult. Like, those notifications, even when they enact, like, a curfew, they're supposed to send, like, notifications via text to people in that area, like an Ambler Alert. Most of it doesn't happen until, like, five minutes before. So think about that. You know, like, that is, I don't know if it's deliberate, but it's certainly fucked up. It's certainly fucked up. You know, if you want people to leave, you, like, if there is a curfew, then then there should be proper warning for that curfew. Now, I will, I will say they did extend the curfew to 6 p.m., um, you know, because I, you know, maybe, maybe they realized they were wrong. Maybe, maybe the, the the social pressure because people tweeted, called. I don't, I, I don't know, but it did get extended. Um, but still, the fact that that was the initial instinct reveals something. Um, something, you know, uh, 
I really have to say like I, one of the people that I've been turning to is Trevor Noah. And, and I really appreciate what he's been saying. And one of the things that he talked about was that, that there is a social contract, right? And I, that, that's where certainly, you know, as I'm seeing it, the, the notion that, oh, well, you know, they're destroying their communities and so forth, at least the argument of that, because again, um, a lot of like the protests by and large are peaceful, but to that effect, you know, one of the things you have to really consider is that, that black people, and, and I'm paraphrasing him, um, but I, I'm, but I, I, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but I'm also agreeing with it is the fact that, that, that black people, you know, accepted a social contract and like we all do, you know, in order to run society, but it's time and time again, that social contract is not honored, um, for them, you know, even in the middle of this pandemic where statistically, you know, financially blacks are a lot worse off. Uh, they are the ones suffering most from this disease. And, you know, in spite of all of that, they still adhered to the social contract. But now, you know, the social contract wasn't honored enough. It, it wasn't honored for them. So enough's enough. And if you really look at, like, look at the, 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 the protesters that are there that are peaceful that, that have the cause in mind, they're wearing masks. It is not beyond them to still understand that we are in a, a health crisis. Yet this takes precedent. And still, they are doing what they can to prevent the spread and stay safe. That's revealing. It really is. That's all I have in terms of my notes that I wanted to kind of address. So yeah, um, these are things that I've observed. These are things that I'm seeing. And, you know, um, and I'm going to continue to, to do what I can to learn and so forth. And I invite you to do the same. Do you have you know, uh, a lot of, a lot of people are posting, you know, that they're losing friends and so forth. And the reason for that is because all of a sudden people don't, you know, agree or they're like, you should, you know, I, I, you need to just be posting about movies or this and that. And it's like, sometimes, like I said, there, there are, there are moments in history. This is one of those moments in history that will be written about. And what side of history do you want to be on? Um, yeah, there are things greater than ourselves. Make no mistake, do I want to be working on my script? Do I want to be working on, on things that are creative? Absolutely, I do. But there's something greater. And if you are an artist, then I invite you to use your creativity to, to propel the effort Versus just turning a blind eye to it. Um, so. That's what I have. 
and um, and and, and on, again on the I guess I'll leave it on the on the plus side. Uh, I'm really encouraged by you know a lot of people. Um, I have lost some friends in this, but I've gained a lot more new ones that, you know, some, I, a lot of times we focus on the number of followers and there's that old adage, like Jesus only had 12 followers. Um, I've spoken out about this multiple times in the past. Uh, I am not concerned, like the number is irrelevant to me. Uh, the depth of, of my connections with people, um, that's what matters to me. And, and I invite you to do, to do the same. Um, I probably won't be posting uh, lessons that often in the foreseeable future because my efforts are spent um, better doing other stuff. But I will try to post um, things like this perhaps that that I that I feel can can get uh, more eyeballs, and the, I don't do this, you know, by no means to get eyeballs onto myself. I I am just, you know, any 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 sort of attention that happens from me posting this is purely for the sake of trying to uh, create change. You know, I didn't state my name at the beginning. Even though you, you know, just based on probably where you're seeing this, you, you know my name, um, and I'm not going to give my social media handle or anything like that because I don't want to use this as an opportunity to promote myself. And um, and I guess I'm sorry. I know I said like one last thing, but this is just another thing. This is not a trend. Um, this is not a trend. Do not jump on this. Um, as a trend, jump on this because it is the right thing to do. And that's where I'll leave you. Thank you.